You're listening to The Way Home with Daniel Darling, a proud member of the Venom Audio Network. Well, hello and welcome to The Way Home Podcast. I'm Dan Darling. Uh, author and pastor and senior vice president at the National Religious Broadcasters. I am so glad you joined me today. We are starting a brand new series around the themes of Easter. I have a brand new book called The Characters of Easter uh, that's out with Moody Press. If you like my book, The Characters of Christmas, you might like this one too. I profile some of the main characters in the Easter story, uh, Peter and John and Thomas and Pilate uh, the religious leaders, Barabbas, and many others. So if you're interested in that, you can go to danieldarling.com slash Easter. And we have all kinds of free downloads if you want to do this with your church or small group. The book is available everywhere. Uh, books are sold. And so I would encourage you to get that as you start reading and drawing your heart toward uh, Good Friday and Easter and thinking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because of that, we're starting a new podcast series during this Lenten season focused on Easter and the resurrection uh, and the crucifixion of Jesus. I'm excited because my first guest is Aaron Damiani. He is an Anglican pastor in my hometown of Chicago. He has a church there, Emmanuel Anglican Church uh, in the Irving Park neighborhood of Chicago. They're doing some great work there. I wanted to have Aaron on because he has a new book out himself. It's called The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. Both of us grew up uh, in evangelicalism. We didn't do a ton of liturgical practices growing up. I grew up uh, Baptist. I'm still Southern Baptist, of course. Uh, But at the time, we didn't really talk about things like Advent or Lent. That was something that Catholics did or, or other traditions did that we didn't do. But recently, even those of us who didn't grow up in one of those more liturgical denominations have discovered the importance of kind of habits and marking out these seasons by focusing ourselves on prayer and fasting and really meditating. Easter is a good time to do that. And so I asked Aaron Damiani to come and join me and talk about these things. He, like me, grew up the same way, but now he's come to appreciate this, obviously, as, a, as an Anglican. Uh, But there's a lot for us to learn, I think, from our Anglican brothers and sisters. And so he is going to help us think about Lent, help us think about how to draw our hearts toward Easter. He also talks about pastoring in a pandemic and how that's been difficult. The last Easter, none of us could gather. Uh, This Easter, many more people are gathering, thankfully, as we more and more people are vaccinated and the the COVID numbers seem to be coming down, hopefully. So we're going to talk about that. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation about Lent about Easter, and about pastoring in a pandemic. Well, I'm glad to have Aaron Damiani here on the podcast. Glad to have a person doing great ministry in the Chicago area, which is my hometown. Love what you're doing there and how God is working through you. Uh, in this season. And I wanted to have you on because you have a great new book called The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. And Aaron, I think one of the cool, I I would say, movements in the last decade or so among low church evangelicals, 
you know, just your typical Bible church, Baptist church, free church folks, good Christians is kind of a rediscovery of some of these church traditions. And, you know, Advent, we've been talking about Advent for longer. You know, now when I grew up, uh, we didn't do Advent, you know, and we didn't, we certainly didn't do Lent. We did do Advent. That was something like the Catholics did. And we had to be, we were like scared about that. Most Christians, a lot of Christians now do talk and talk about Advent. And I think that's happening with Lent. It's a little bit behind the Advent conversation. Yes. But I think it's a welcome thing. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of these rhythms of entering the Easter season, why it's important for us to mark out and kind of uh, have these rhythms during this time. So it's a great question. And one of the things that's helpful is to start with Easter and to work our way backward. So how do we want to be on Easter Sunday? We want to be full of joy. We want to be ready for the resurrection power of Jesus. We want to also come to Easter with that sense of like, we've been with Jesus in Gethsemane. You know what I mean? Like we've walked through uh, the journey of the cross with him. And, but that can't happen on, in one day. Like we try to often try to just get that done on Good Friday, but we're not creatures that can have microwaved formation in one day, in one service. We kind of need an extended period of time. And the scriptures often have these 40 day periods where different people like Jesus, they, they go into the wilderness for 40 days. They have a period of, 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 of fasting and prayer for 40 days and encountering God for 40 days. And um, this is sort of like, it's sort of like 40 years in miniature, you know? And one of the things that uh, gets us ready for Easter is this 40 day set aside time where we can grow close to Christ and we can take on disciplines that help us become like Jesus. So that by the time we get to Easter Sunday, we're ready. You know, and a lot of times like growing up, I'd get to Easter Sunday and I wouldn't be ready. It was sort of like catch me off guard. Like um, I was supposed to be full of joy and I was supposed to like love it. And I often just found myself feeling like there was this disconnect between how I was supposed to be on Easter Sunday and how I actually was. And then when we began to attend a church that celebrated Lent, my wife and I, at the time, Beyonce and I, we just noticed that they were getting ready way before Easter and they were, they were ready for Easter in a way that that we just weren't. And so the following year, we were like the first year, it was like, what are they doing? Is this just legalism? And then we saw the joy on Easter Sunday and we realized, oh, it's not legalism. This is actually just something, something we haven't, this is a journey with Jesus that we haven't taken yet. And so the next year we, we began to dip our toe in the water and every year kind of going deeper in the way of Jesus, the, the 40 days of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. And every year coming to that Easter Sunday, ready to feast. I, I love that. Now, um, it's interesting. One of my, one of the most transformative books I've read in the last few years is James, James K. A. Smith's book, You Are What You Love. Yes. Really changed the way I think about habits and ritual. So I grew up, and I think when we grew up in the church, there was a lot of emphasis against ritual. You know, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not we don't you don't want it to be routine and rote. And there's some truth to that, right? That you could have dead religion and dead or uh, even dead orthodoxy, but dead religion and dead practices that doesn't mean you're a Christian. On the flip side, you know, after reading Smith and just thinking about my own life, 
the routines and rituals and habits really shape our hearts, right? And that really is really evident during seasons like Lent, like Advent. So really talk to us about the about habit forming and what that does for us. Yeah. One of the ways to even talk about liturgy is like, it's a, it's a practice that we do with the body that shapes the soul. Mm. And, you know, we often don't think about like, how does our bodily habits and, and rituals shape our souls, but it happens all the time. Uh, It happens. It happens when we swipe, swipe right or left on our phones. Um, It happens when we let the Netflix countdown get all the way down to zero onto the next episode. Um, and it happens when we go to the gym and take instruction from a personal trainer. Each one of these situations are part of our whole life. And so what liturgy does and what what um, liturgical actions that we do with our body does is that it it sort of teaches us from the outside in what it means to follow Jesus and and to love his kingdom. So um, like Dallas Willard talks about this whole idea of indirection that like, I'm going to do something that I'm free to do now, which is like fasting from food so that I can do, can I, I can do something later that I don't yet have the freedom for. So let's say someone is, man, this Lent, they really want to address their lust issue. They want to become free of lust and, and that involves the body and it involves the soul. Um, but you know, one of the things that you, you can't just decide that that's going to happen. You actually have to take on disciplines. And one of the disciplines actually that, that uh, is helpful in that is, is to, to fast from food because it teaches you how to have mastery over your passions. Mm. And so, yes, you might join an accountability group and you might get covenantized, but, but let's take on this indirection here of fasting and prayer, adding in, adding in the power of Jesus, and then almsgiving, which is like giving, giving your life away in a sacrificial way, which is the opposite of lust. And what happens is that you, it's like the, um, a cord of three strands woven together. The church found that these three things, if you add, if you tie them together over a period of 40 days, they have this way of really shaping you as a Christian. Um, not just in name and not just in, not just in doctrine, which is important but also in, in, in habit and, and what you, what you love and what you're committed to and how freely you respond to the promptings of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things I think about is I did not grow up in a liturgical environment and yet there were still, there's always hidden liturgies that you don't, you don't call it that. So in some of the benefits of it are, you know, growing up listening to preaching three times a week and going to church. Yes. Yes. The hymns we sang, you know, I'm a five-year-old kid. I don't know what I'm even saying, but now that I'm 43, I can hardly hear one of those hymns and not get emotional. Yes. And when Psalm 119 talks about like hiding God's word in our heart, so we don't sin against him, that it's just, it forms us in ways we don't understand for the times that we need it. Right. And so I think about this when it comes to Lent, because in my adult life now, we've, you know, I've, we've had good Friday service, you know, as a pastor, we did this. And then now as a, you know, I'm an associate pastor, but attending church and how much I look forward to that and how much this, and we may be doing the same thing every year. And yet it's so meaningful and so powerful. What I love about what you have laid out and what, you know, going through Lent is that 
Easter do, then doesn't just sneak up on you like, oh, it's Easter. Like, we got to dress up and here we are. We have to be happy about the resurrection. But you're walking through this journey through the passion into Easter. So uh, talk about the importance of that. It's, it's like the, the old saying is like love is slow, that there's, there's a way in which as human beings, we need a we need a way to slow down in order to go deep. Like you can't rush into a marriage. If you rush into a marriage, it's going to be a bad idea. You need a longer journey. You know, you need, you need to go through a process where you become ready to say yes with all of your heart. What I love about your, your example with the hymns is that, you know, it, it took a long time for, for any of us to be formed as a Christian. And it took, it, it, it meant going slow and it meant using hymns so that the gospel becomes operationalized in your body and not just, and, and also in your memory and, and in your habits. So like what happens with Lent every year is that um, usually there's a little bit of a, one of those things where you, you have to go through the dip. It starts out where it's Ash Wednesday and you're excited to like enter into the mystery of Lent. There's something special about being reminded of your mortality. Remember, oh man, that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Repent and believe the gospel. And you walk in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm entering into Lent. I'm, I'm entering into this time of, of repentance. Um, and then usually like 10 days in, it becomes really boring and slow. And you're wondering when the sugar fast is going to be over and when you can start eating meat again or whatever it is that you've chosen to take on the daily prayer becomes boring, but that's exactly when the formation starts is when it's not exciting anymore. And so as, as we slow down and as we kind of enter into the, you could even call it ritualistic uh, movements of the body and habits that work its way into our daily routine. That really is when the, um, the Easter preparation begins to marinate um, in a slow crock pot sort of a way. That's really, you know, it's, it, it's something that is, it just takes time for habits to develop, for passions to develop, and for, for us as men and women to be truly ready for, for the feast uh, of, of Easter Sunday. And, and, you know, people will often say, well, we don't want to, we don't want this to become a ritual. So, yeah. and actually, I always say, actually, yes, we do. Because <laughs> yes, ritual, yes. ritual is good, and we actually all live by rituals subconsciously. The things we do every morning, the things we do, you know, like these are that you know. So liturgy is just about building better rituals, right? Yes, and so I think I think I know what people mean when they say let's not make it a ritual. I think what they mean is let's not lose our passion for Jesus. And put him in the background because we do we do re outwardly religious things that we think will make him happy. Let's not lose our passion. It's sort of like in your marriage, you don't want to get into a rut. You don't want to get into the same old stalemated dance. You want things to be fresh. You want there to be discovery. You want there to be passion. And so, and so in order to do that, like you need to bring your whole heart to the rituals that you are doing. So you can, I think that the the best combination and this is where I'm, I'm thoroughly evangelical, you know, is that when we're coming, when we do rituals like Ash Wednesday ashes, Good Friday prayers, Easter Sunday celebration, and everything in between, like every year we're going, 
Jesus, you make all things new. And, and I am in process right now. I am not like, I, I cannot stay the same and continue to follow you. And so meet me afresh in these same rituals, but I need you to really like shine through and challenge me, push me. Um, so that when I'm coming to worship, I am coming like ready to change and I'm coming ready to, ready to be transformed. I, I think there's a way to keep the good of rituals without the pitfall and the cul-de-sacs of rituals, which mm-hmm. is like, ho-hum, I don't really care anymore. I'm just doing this because I've always done it. You know, we can, we can bring, we can ask for Jesus to make them fresh and he will. Mm, that's really good. Now, I want to talk to people who are listening. They know they've kind of heard of Lent, mm-hmm. but they, they're intimidated by it because they don't actually know Lent because they've never grown up in a liturgical church and they see everyone doing this. Can you do a quick walk through Lent for people who like basically Lent for dummies? <laughs> yes. If it's possible. That, well, that's, the, you know, you could have named my book Lent for dummies. It's yeah. exactly what, what it was. Ri- it was written for people who were curious, but had no idea what it was. Um, it's not really a devotional. It's more of just a straightforward primer. You know, here's, here's how to do it. So here's, here's the quick version. And that is that, you know, Lent is a 40 day period of preparation for Easter. Um, anyone can do it. The earliest Christians practiced it in some form or another. And, you know, starting after the death of Jesus, they kind of practiced the way of Lent, which was taking fasting, uh, prayer, and then like financial generosity and weaving that together for 40 days. So that by the time you get to Easter, you're really ready to feast, celebrate and worship Jesus. It was something that churches did in some form or another, but you see, you see those, those common strands so if you wanted to practice Lent this time around, the key question to start with is not what do I give up, but why am I uh, giving this up? How do I want to become like Jesus? And so it kind of begins with a prayer, Jesus, what do you want to do in me uh, this Lent? What in me needs to change? And then uh, from there, what you do is you go, do I really want that or not? Do I really want, like, am I just doing Lent to go along with the crowd? I'd say that's a bad idea. Um, that's going to get you into legalism and peer pressure. And that's, there's no point in that. Um, but just to ask the question, Hey, there's probably a part of me that wants to become more Christ-like and part of me that doesn't want to become more Christ-like. And just to like bring that to Jesus as well. And then if you're ready to go forward, um, to select something to abstain from for 40 days, um, as well as maybe a meal a week in addition to that. So, you know, a lot of people, their go-to is like alcohol, giving up alcohol, uh, potentially sugar desserts and uh, a meal or two per week. Um, but then adding in prayer, is there a prayer practice? Maybe it's one Psalm per day, um, or maybe it's, um, praying, praying the gospels, um, five times a week or something like that, adding something in to become like Christ. And then also thinking about, is there a way that I can be financially generous to make personal sacrifices, maybe from the food I'm not eating, or the, or the media I'm not purchasing, and actually devote that to love of neighbor, maybe giving it to a, a ministry of some kind. And that's the, those are the three classic disciplines. And then to do that in community with, it, with your local church and maybe your small group. Yeah, that's a great word. And I wanna recommend this book. It's called The Good of Getting Up by Aaron Damiani, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. This is a great book to read right now, right during the Easter season to really help you walk through those things. And, and I think you'll find that it'll really stir your heart.
But before we continue our conversation, I want to just encourage you to uh, check out our friends at Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling has generously sponsored this episode of the Way Home Podcast. And one of the reasons I was excited to partner with them is because I believe so much in the value of good biblical counseling. In the last few years, I've really noticed the importance of counseling, both as a pastor who has to care for people at times, as a husband, as a father, as a friend. There's just times when all of us need to sit down and talk with someone who is skilled at kind of peeling back through the layers of our lives, both the spiritual and the physical and the places where we need clinical diagnosis and we need a a, a biblical word from God. And sometimes those are, are kind of marbled in together in complex ways that we can't totally understand that someone outside of us can help us do that. I believe this is a really important thing. A lot of times we're afraid to go to counseling. There's a stigma that I don't want to be known as the kind of person who would need to get help. And really, we, sh- we shouldn't think that way because all of us uh, are fallen or broken, have needs that someone else that God uh, gifts in a certain way can help with. What's great about the model of faithful counseling is that it's completely confidential and it's completely online. And so if if you're like me and the kind of the stigma of getting up and going and talking to someone is, is a little bit too much of getting in your car and going to an office or a church, you can do this from the privacy of your home. You fill out a an intake process and they match you up with a counselor that's suited to your needs. And if you happen to get a counselor that is just not working for you, you can easily exchange them at no cost. You have access to your counselor through text, through email, and other ways if you have a crisis in between sessions. So I want to encourage you to visit faithfulcounseling.com slash wayhome. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash wayhome. And you will get a 10% discount off your first month's membership, which is which is a really fantastic deal. So visit faithfulcounseling.com slash way home and get a 10% discount off your first membership. I really want to encourage you, uh, if you are listening, feel depressed, you have anxiety, or maybe you have some thorny relational issues in your family or at work or other places, to go seek some help with our friends at Faithful Counseling dot com slash way home. One of the things I really think is, is wonderful about Lent is that it allows us to see the whole panorama of the passion narrative. Yes. You know, it, it's interesting with Christmas one of the things I love about Christmas is we get basically a month, month and a half to talk about this and people are thinking about it and it's just in the air and it's just beautiful. Whereas typically in our, most of our, you know, just in the broader culture, but also in a lot of churches, it's just kind of, you're going along and then boom, Easter happens. You know, there's such a wind up to the resurrection in the gospels where you have the trial of Jesus and you have, which is long and extended and you have the denial of Peter and you have Judas's betrayal and you have the garden scene in Gethsemane and you have the cross and the, the different angles from the different gospels. And then the, the empty tomb and the resurrection, the ascension, like there's so much in this yes. that Lent allows us to see it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just, just talk about us seeing that the, the kind of the panorama of, of the passion. 
that really, I think, Dan, gets to the the Holy Week experience when you're, in some ways, Lent is sort of like that journey to Jerusalem that Jews would 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 make. They would take a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and then um, so like the Psalms of Ascents are one of those. Uh, it's that section of the Psalms that is like perfectly suited for Lent because you're the whole time you're thinking about, you're visualizing Jesus in Jerusalem, you're following him to Jerusalem, following him to Gethsemane and to the cross and to the resurrection. And then Holy Week, what Holy Week does is it allows you to really zero in on those events of the final week of his life when he's cleansing the temple and when he's giving his final teachings, receiving his final challenges. And um, Maundy Thursday, you know, going to where he establishes the meal, his supper, as well as the ritual of foot washing and, um, and then on to, to his trial, Good Friday. And so, and then obviously on to, to Holy Saturday where he's, he's laying in the tomb and of course, Easter Sunday. One of the things that I've actually discovered personally for my own practice of Holy Week itself is, is the biblical stations of the cross. Um, that that actually allow you to to walk through that final week of Jerusalem with him, um, and to uh, especially those final hours, and to to really meditate, to meditate on the final week of Jesus, to meditate what it means today, and following him today, it really does allow us to marinate in the three dimensional story of the gospel in a way that gives it its due. Yeah, that's that's really good. I I love the work. I love what you're doing with this. It's called the Good of Giving Up, discovering the Freedom of Lent. And uh, I, I sense too, Aaron, that this year Easter is going to be even more meaningful. Oh, I mean, word, it yes. is every year, but if you, you know, and I, it, not all churches are going to be able to gather on Easter depending on, on where COVID is, but it, my sense is a lot more will be than none of us gathered. And it was, you know, we were stuck inside. We watched our live streams, which was fine, but to be able to gather, because, because mm. you know, everything about Easter the way we understand the resurrection is that it's embodied yes. that Jesus, he, he rose his body and soul. And because of that, we too will rise again. Just the themes that emerge out of Easter are similar that, you know, it's in the spring. We're starting to see the first shoots of, of flowers and grass. And there's, it's like a sign that something new is coming, which is really what we're saying at Easter. So it just seems more meaningful given the hard and difficult season we've had, right? Totally. I think that in part, this last year plus has been like an extended Lent. Mm. We we have been, without choosing it, fasting from, in many cases, in-person worship, fasting from, from community in a huge way, in a way that's really painful. And so to imagine, and I was hoping the vaccine would get rolled out by by Easter and that we could all we could all gather for a big Easter vigil that that's not going to happen. But I think that in, in some ways, given that this has been an, a type of an extended Lent, what we really need as the church, widely speaking, is like an extended Easter tide. You know, an Easter tide is 50 days, Lent's 40, Easter tide's 50. And it's supposed to be a season of feasting, celebration, just a, a participation in the like new life, new creation power of Jesus that's working its way through our own humble existence. And I feel the the need for that release for, for our church. And I, I'm sure for other churches as well, gather again, feast again, celebrate again, remember that Jesus is alive and experience his healing touch in the process. It's, that's such a good, good word. 
one more thing I wanted to say, and one of the other things Lent does, sometimes I think we're too quick to race to the tomb. Yes. Not sit with the lament and the ugliness of the cross, uh, which is why I love Good Friday that we, we, for, we first go to Good Friday. We first, you know, see him on the cross. We wrestle with that. We, you know, a bloody cross is kind of today un, uh, controversial that yes. people, a lot of people want Christianity, but they don't want that. They want, mm-hmm. they just want the benefits of it. And we have to kind yes. of go through that bloody cross to see the wrath of God poured out on uh, Jesus for sinners. So talk and, and I think sometimes among evangelicals and maybe you can talk about this that even when we talk about death we kind of skip past it to just kind of make it like well we'll see that person again he's happy now when Jesus you know is over the tomb of Lazarus weeping at the curse of sin angry inside at what mm-hmm. death is wrought mm-hmm. the cross is the death of death so maybe maybe yes. speak to that yes what I love about the cross is that it's not a cliche. And at the end of the day, if we really see it for what it is, we can't see a cliche. We can see, we can see the, the ugly truth as well as God's love on the same picture. I remember someone talking about how one of the job that, that artists have in the church is not, not only to show us God's beauty, but to show us the ugliness of life and to show us the ugliness of sin in a way that meets, makes us uncomfortable. And so in, a, in some ways, artists are prophets of this and Jesus in, in, you know, he did many things on the cross. I think one of the things that he did is he showed us just how sick our hearts are and how ugly death is in the process of defeating it. He showed us where it leads and we can't, we can't skip over that. We can't skip over lament. Um, our flesh wants to our, um, our desire to be up and to the right to be always winning and, and upwardly mobile wants to skip over death and it wants to gloss and cliche our way over, over the ugliness of of life, as well as the sin of our own hearts. Um, I think though, when I think about good Friday, I don't think harshness. I don't think groveling. I think of the deep, deep love of Jesus. Mm, That's a good one. The most, the most powerful good Friday services are those services where people are coming to the cross and they're realizing how absolutely merciful Jesus is for their sin that they've been carrying on their own. And so there is such a comfort. I think comfort and love are the words that really emerge to the top. When I remember Good Friday, why I long for it even now, um, because there is so much weight right now on people's hearts. I think there's so much water under the bridge that has passed since COVID began and even before. There's been a lot of sin. There's been a lot of breakdown because of sin. And when I think about Good Friday, I think about the cross and the absolute merciful love of Jesus to, to, to put his arms around us when we are in the depths of our ugliness and, and burden and, and just give us new hearts. So I love I, one of the things I love the most about it is just the tears that I see and the relief that I see. Um, and that, you know, and your pastor, you know, it when you see it, when people know in their guts that they're loved by Jesus. Mm. Mm. 
What a great word. What a great way to end uh, this podcast. Aaron Damiani, so grateful for your work and your ministry and for this book, The Good of Giving Up, Discovering the Freedom of Lent. Get this for yourself, for your families. And uh, we'll have links there uh, in the show notes. But Aaron, thanks for joining me and uh, just praying for you this uh, Easter season uh, as you lead people in my hometown of uh, Chicago. Hometown, baby. Hometown. Well, likewise, brother, thanks for your great work, your great leadership, and it's been a great conversation. Thank you for listening to this edition of The Way Home Podcast with Daniel Darling. For more information, you can visit danieldarling.com. If you do like this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. We also encourage you to rate and review so others can know about the podcast. You can follow me at at Dan Darling on Twitter or go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Daniel M. Darling. I also want to encourage you again to check out my latest book called The Characters of Easter. That's out with Moody Press. Thank you for listening again to The Way Home Podcast. This is a production of the National Religious Broadcasters.